Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello there, writers, and welcome to Polly Campbell's Simply Write, where we talk about shaping a professional writing career and living the writer's life. And, you know, we talk all the time about what that means, the challenges of making money at this while doing the kind of writing you want to do. We've got to pay the bills and we've got to make enough so that we can do more writing, right? It's that cycle. Uh, But I think now is... And I might be at odds here, but I think now is a great time to start working and evolving into a professional writing career because there are so many options out there. And I think the writer's mindset is expansive and people are looking at it a different way. Um, If you want to hustle and you want to carve out a living, I think it's possible to do that. It's usually not by doing all one kind of writing. It's usually not all one thing. Most of us who want to write and publish fiction or nonfiction books, magazine writers, we're also doing uh, freelance corporate marketing writing, or perhaps you want to write screenplays and you're also doing ad copy on the side, or maybe teaching. I've done that as well because most of us are not going to have best-selling books. And just for the record, many I know who have had books on the New York Times bestsellers list, that doesn't necessarily result in a lifetime of income flowing in anyhow. But with agility and creativity, with effort and hustle, there are many ways to craft a writing career that you love to do and one that pays the bills. And we're going to talk about all of that today and really talk about the form and function of building that into your days, what it takes to do the job you want to do and how interesting and fun it can be. And we're going to talk about it all right now with Wendell Thomas, the screenwriter, professor, novelist. Wendell, welcome to the show. Hi, Polly. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I've got a lot I want to learn from you. We're going to talk about it all today. Wendell teaches in the Graduate Film School at UCLA. She lectures internationally on screenwriting and has worked as an entertainment reporter, development executive, script consultant, film and television writer. Her first Sid Redondo novel, Lost Luggage, was nominated for the Lefty and McCavity Awards for Best Debut Mystery of 2017. Her second, Drowned Under, was nominated for Lefty for Best Humorous Mystery and 
and Anthony Award for Best Paperback Original, and Fogged Off was a finalist for the Best Humorous Mystery of 2021. I love that title, Fogged Off. (laughs) (laughs) Her short fiction appears in the crime anthologies Ladies Night, Last Resort, and the Anthony-nominated Murder of Go-Go's 2019. And the upcoming Crime Under the Sun, is that your next novel? That's an anthology. I was very very thrilled to uh to get included on a blind submission so that's always awesome yeah. <laughs> that's always such a thrill you well, know congratulations thank you very much so i have a, a story in that anthology that's coming out at VoucherCon next summer you're very well accomplished but you've done it in uh, an array of, of genres or industries how did this come to be did you start in screenwriting and then evolve or or what's your origin story it's kind of interesting i um it's not that interesting but it's bizarre <laughs> i think so when i was in college i wanted to be a sound engineer and i was going to try to come out to berkeley and try to work for some kind of you know recording company or something. And one of my friends um, sent an application in for me to Deerfield Academy to teach English and didn't tell me. Mm. So I got it. I got a call from the head of faculty there saying they wanted to bring me up for an interview. And I had no, I thought it was a joke. I thought I was being punked. <laughs> and I, um, I went up and I borrowed everything I wore, even my barrette, you know, to, to this interview. <laughs> And I wound up being the first single woman to teach at this all-male boarding school. So it became, that's how I got started teaching. And then after that, I went back to graduate school in English and I taught film um, to undergrads as part of my TA work. Mm. And I fell in love with movies and I, there weren't a lot of jobs in English at the time. So I decided to take a leave of absence and go to Los Angeles, hoping I could adapt. I thought it was, you know, highly qualified to adapt literature into screenplays. And then, of course, I found out that you can't do that unless you have a track record as a screenwriter. So um, I wound up in L.A. in 86 and I worked in TV development and I worked for a film director. I was actually the assistant to the director on uh, Young Guns, which Mm -hmm. was hilarious. And I worked for him, for Chris Kane for a long time. And then I finally got an agent as a screenwriter and I worked on and off, all sorts of, it's what you were saying, all sorts of jobs. I, I wrote copy for the Discovery Channel on the show, The Operation. I worked on Wishbone mm. um, for PBS. I worked on, um, I wrote a couple of A&E biographies. I did a lot of stuff like that at the same time that I was, you know, s- submitting scripts, having scripts optioned, um, trying to get writing work, all that kind of stuff. So I had, you know, on and off success as a screenwriter. I made some money. I was broke a lot. I all of that. And I started teaching at UCLA and that led to teaching all over the world. I went, started teaching in England and then went to New Zealand and Australia. And so I've kind of paid for my writing more or less by teaching. And consulting. I do a lot of private consulting as well. Does that make you resentful that you had to, uh, that you have to balance or choose to balance your career between the teaching and the writing? Or did you just understand that that's part of being a writer and it actually enhances your career? How do you look at it? Well, it's, I mean, it's a mixed bag in a lot of ways. I never had the illusion that you could always make all your money writing. Just because even as a screenwriter where you're paid decently, Sometimes you don't get paid. Sometimes the checks bounce. Sometimes it takes five months for the check to get to you. So I always knew that I have to do some kind of day job. So I don't resent 
that. And that was just a reality. I think sometimes it's very hard that I spend maybe 60% of my time helping other people write things. Mm. You know, that's hard sometimes because it uses so much of my writer brain that then I don't have left for myself. So I don't resent it, but it, it has a cost, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And and I think you brought up an important point too. You know, I for most of my career, I've done a lot of magazine articles and I might have had a great month as far as what I've produced, but it could be months to get those checks. And so- No, I know. My husband's a journalist and sometimes he has to chase checks all the time. Yeah. And it, I think that's the thing is people don't really, and, and in screenwriting, people don't really understand how the money comes to you. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the steps- and so I've always told my students to have something you do. And, and I think my only regret is I really wish that I'd done something else as my day job that didn't require my writer brain. If I had mm. to go back again, I would be like a prop assistant or work in costumes or do something else in the movie business that didn't, that wasn't about reading other people's stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. I've always, I love sandwiches. And I always, <laughs> I always thought I'd be a sandwich maker. I could go out and talk to people and make these awesome sandwiches and then come <laughs> home at the end of my shift and be done and not be so mentally depleted by the other stuff. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I, I love my students. I've had an incredibly lucky career. I mean, I've been flown by governments to Australians. So you know what I mean? I have no, sure. absolutely no complaints of any kind, but I do feel like a lot of my, I would write a lot faster and I could have written a lot more if I had a different kind of day job. And that brings us to the segment that I call the dailies, where we talk about a, a realistic schedule in the day. And today we're having this interview, which is awesome. Um, that's part of my writer's job. After this, I've, I'm going to get off and I have a blog post due for psychology today. Huh? So I need to get off and, and revise that. It's, it's the draft, the quick draft is written, but I need to revise that and get that out. And then I'm going to be hustling, looking for the next story, the next pitch, the next place I want to go. The holidays coming in have slowed that process down a little bit. So I'm going to get everything I can, but, but that's not much of a writing day for me. You know, I'm not actually in the chair doing a lot of writing. I'm doing a lot of the, the structural work around it to get more writing assignments. So what does your day look like? What does a schedule look like for you many weeks? Well, I'm, I am, um, I figured out at some point in my career that I was a morning writer. I wanted to be a late night you know, Jack Daniels writer. That didn't turn out to be the case. So I get up pretty early, sometime between four and five usually. And I try to do my work uh, at least some, a couple of write hours, two or three hours of writing or rabbit hole research or whatever then. And then depending on like today, I have this. I am trying to wrap up a lot of my consulting work in the next couple of days for clients so that I can have a little bit of time to work during the holidays. So I will, um, I will rewrite a one pager for one of my clients today. And um, I'm also reading a script that I'm going to do notes on. And, um, and that's how I try to structure the day is that I um, try to do my writing first while I'm the most fresh. And then I do a lot of my consulting work in the afternoons. I really can't do any work at night. I'm too old. So I can't I, uh, do any work at night either. I can't anymore. do work at night. So after about five o'clock, I'm shot. So yeah. that's that's about it for me. But I do, you know, morning is best. And the thing is, for 25 years, I went on a road every morning at a cafe, but the pandemic completely messed up my discipline. So I'm still trying to find a way to get back, you know, to to the kind of discipline schedule that I used to have. 
When you talk about your writing time, is it predominantly the novels you're working on now? Are you writing screenplays? Do you have a mix of projects going on? I have a mix of novels going on, but I also have, um, right now, I'm not working on a script. I have a script that's gone out just because it was a, um, it's about abortion in 1901. And suddenly now mm. that is newly relevant. Um, but I, I did just finish that short story recently mm -hmm. that I submitted and then did some edits on that. But mostly um, I'm working on a novel just because I'm a little behind. So mm -hmm. right now I'm mostly working on the fourth Sid Redondo book, but I do have three or four other series that I want to write. So when I get stuck on one, I'll try to unstick myself by doing research for another reading. So I, um, but as a screenwriter, you're always working on four or five projects at a time. Like you're never just working on one. Are those screenplays uh, on spec? Or are they under contract? How does that work in your industry? Well, it's um, if it's an original idea, you almost always write it on spec. Um, the spec market is very different than it was when I came out here, which was in the mid to late 80s and early 90s, in which, you know, Joe Estherhaus was selling a spec for $4 million or whatever. That doesn't really happen anymore. And I would say 85% of the work in LA is rewriting and adaptations mm. and takes. I actually teach a class called The Take, which is all about helping my students get work um, because most of the specs people write are just writing samples now. It's mm. very rare. I mean, look at the movies. How often do you see a film with an original script that gets made? It's, you know, they're, yeah. they, sometimes they're scraping the barrel even to get five Oscar nominees a year on original. So it's, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, it's sad, but it's true. So um, I've had, I've been lucky over the years to have a lot of things optioned. And so that's money for old rope, as they mm -hmm. say, you know, cause mm -hmm. you've already done the work. And then sometimes you'll get paid to do a rewrite on that material. But the nice thing is just getting, you know, a five, 10 grand just for a year of, do, of stuff that yeah. already exists. So that's been, I've been very lucky that way that happened to, you know, a year ago with something in Australia. I had a script that I wrote in 1998. Wow. And you'll appreciate this, Polly, because you've been around, but I had to, uh, I just pitched it off the cuff in the room. I just mentioned it and they're like, can we see it? And it was <laughs> on, I had to go five computers back. And so I was, I was, my husband came home and he, he's always complaining that I still have all my old computers, but it was just like, I had it on a floppy disk and I had to put it in one computer to update to a newer word to work on the next, to work on the next. And it was hilarious. You know, because I didn't even have it in in a digital. I've form, done really. that where I've had to go back through the floppies and I'm reading my little faded label. I know, <laughs> I know it's hilarious. So anyway, but then they optioned it and I totally revamped it for them. And that's kind of out in the world, too. They're pitching it, but I don't have any more work to do on it right now. I love it's stories like that, though, because I think it's really easy when you're a newbie to the industry, to any writing, to think, well, I'm going to write this and I'm going to send that out and I'm going to get paid and that's it. I'm, but really, your job is to write it and get it. You don't have to know where it's going to end up immediately. You don't have no. to plan for even if you're rejected with that particular idea. I've sold magazine articles 10 years later that I couldn't. Yeah. Because like you said, with the abortion uh, screenplay or what times change, things become relevant, other ideas yeah. crop up. So it's not wasted work if it doesn't go. You also, every time you work, you get better. So that's what I mean, it's funny because yeah. at the end of the year, we all have to give advice to the graduating UCLA graduate students, you know, and my advice is always like never give up on an idea. 
if you think it's a good idea, just Love never it. give up because you never know. Maybe it can be in a different form. Maybe, I mean, Lost Luggage was a script first. I wrote a script. It didn't sell. I I love the character. I tried to figure out why it didn't sell and I did some work on it. And that led me to writing it as a book. So it, you know, you just never know. And now it might get optioned for a script again. So it's kind of a strange. You write essays too. And I read one that really touched me personally and professionally. I thought it was beautifully written, but it also hit a, a unique story that I've experienced in my family and it's called Copperheads. One thing you talk about is the self-doubt that came as a result of your, your childhood and, and the relationship with your mother and so forth. How do you deal with, I think all writers to some degree, I think all people, all humans <laughs> struggle with some form of self-doubt, but in a, in a world, in an industry where there's more rejection probably than, than green go lights, you, how do you keep coming back and, and knowing that that script from 1998 might be worth throwing out now and talking to somebody about how do you keep going despite those demons or those self-doubts? Well, it's a tri it's a tricky thing. And actually, it's been something I've been thinking about a lot lately, because I have a lot of 20 year old students, and they have a lot less self doubt mm -hmm. um, about their writing. Now, I, they may have it about other things. But it's been interesting to see, you know, comparing mm -hmm. my generation with their generation in, in the terms of, you know, uh, regardless of my personal circumstance, I think that a lot of friends my age, always wanted to do better, thought they weren't good enough, kept trying, yeah. you know, there's a lot of that in my generation. I'm students don't ask questions. They say everything's great. And then they didn't get it. So it, I think somewhere between the self-doubt of my generation and the everybody gets a trophy generation, <laughs> somewhere in the middle is a happy writing life. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, you have I to have agree. a certain amount of confidence to go forward. And I think for me, I just love writing. But I didn't even, I mean, I would have started writing. I wish I'd started writing novels 20 years before I did. But for me, I was like, if it's not Henry James or Faulkner, you know, what's the point? And so I never thought I could write the great American novel or literary books ever. And, um, you know, I wish I had had a little more confidence at that point to just try it. You know, but mm -hmm. I, I do think that you, it, it helps a lot if you have a community and I've been very lucky. My early days in Sisters in Crime, Los Angeles were very pivotal in giving me a little bit of confidence to keep going. And I think if, and my husband is very supportive of my writing and, um, and I think that it does help to have some people who believe in you around you. But I also think that there is some value in self-doubt in terms of making you work harder and not yes. just turn in your first draft and think it's brilliant. And, you know, I, I think there is a value in it that I'm noticing, as I said, more and more as I teach varying generations of writers. Yes. I, yes. I, I, it brings up an encounter I had a couple of weeks ago with a, a new writer, a person who had um, left their day job to, to write full time. And um, they're younger than me. I'm in my fifties. And, they were shocked that their first article pitch was not picked up and picked up immediately. And I was laughing about that to myself because it never occurred to me that that would ever happen in my no, early I know. days. I know. know, I know. It's just, a, oh, well, here's my script. I'm going to sell it. But, and like I said, I think somewhere in the middle yes, is yes. where you can <laughs> you strive for something in the middle of That's that. That's great. That's great. All right. There's much more I want to talk about with you, Wendell Thomas. We're going to take a short break and come back on 
Polly Campbell, Simply Right. We're going to talk craft, how important it is to know your structure before you get going, and the pros and cons of shifting through the different forms. When we come back with Wendell Thomas right here on Simply Right with Polly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome back. I'm Polly, and we're here with screenwriter, novelist, essayist, professor, everything else, Wendell Thomas, talking about the craft of writing and how we can shift from different forms. Wendell, you, you've said a few times on the show that you wanted to be, you wish you'd started writing novels earlier. Is that where your heart is, or do you like a shifting among the different forms? Um, well, I quite like it. I really enjoy screenwriting, but because I tend to write comic novels, it's a lot easier to write comedy in a script because of the white spaces and the way that you can pace things. And writing physical mm. comedy is the hardest thing about writing a comic novel for me. Like those those are the things I just struggle over is the physical um the physical comedy sequences in the Sid Verdano novels because I have to put them in a paragraph. Ah, you know what I mean? So it's so I like doing both. Um there are things I think you can do in a screenplay that you can't do in a book and vice versa. I don't think they're absolutely interchangeable. I think you learn things from each form that inform the other. But I do feel that there is, you know, one of the horror, horrors of writing a novel, because when you write a screenplay, you just assume the art department is going to take care of everything. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I need to know what the moldings look like in that Edwardian house. <laughs> like, how am I going to figure that out? How am I going to describe the purses? You know, all you, screenwriting, you just, that stuff is taken care of. It's really interesting. Now, do you feel like your dialogue is really spot on in the novels? Is that a strength of working in both? Well, I think it helps because you do write a lot more dialogue for screenplays. And I think in early in my career that my dialogue writing was kind of what got me attention more. So I think that I have, a, but it's really interesting because I write, I mean, the novels are in first person, which is something that you really can't do in. So I really love that. I love writing in first person because in a script, unless you do a voiceover, which you really need to be careful with, mm -hmm. um, you really not, you have to be much more selective about what characters say. So I really love that part of writing novels, but I also love the kind of rhythm, like I said, you can create in a screenplay with dialogue that is diff more difficult in a novel. 
Mm -hmm. I never would have thought about that. That's interesting. You you use the pauses and the space on the page to really create the the character and the story. Then, in the script. yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a completely different thing as far as that goes. Uh -huh. As far as the way you need the rhythm of the way you need to write. Why first person? Why is that a decision you made? Um, I mean, in this particular case, I just heard her voice. And so I just started because I wrote the script, you know, I wrote a script about her first and I liked her voice. I had fun writing her dialogue, but I think I started to hear her. And so for me, I, that's the one thing that's not hard about writing the series is she just kind of comes through me. So that's mm -hmm. easy. Um, I did a novel version of this script that's out the abortion script and I started it in omniscient and that was horrible and so I'm rewriting the whole thing in a close third mm -hmm. and that's been interesting but I have a relationship in that where I really need to be in different people's heads at different times and that has been much harder for me that's interesting can every script be a novel can every novel be a, a screenplay are are there things stories that you're like no this absolutely has to be a short story or an essay or a script you know from the beginning where it's got to go well, I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of flexibility in this. I think, I think turning novels into scripts, particularly feature scripts, there's always a cost for that because you're almost always going to reduce it. And so certain things reduce better than others. And again, sometimes a first person narration in a novel is very hard to translate in a script if you don't use voiceover. So that can be tricky can be very tricky. I think there are some ideas that are just skits, you know, and mm. I have a lot of students who try to write something that really is just like a five minute idea. And, and you can see, I mean, all you have to do is go back and look at some of the Saturday Night Live movies that came mm -hmm. out and which one of them worked <laughs> and which ones really just were a skit. Um, and I think too, that there are, you just have to have a lot of imagination to adapt things. But I think, again, there's certain... It, it's very hard to sell comic novels. So I think a lot of times a really funny idea is better done as a script yeah. than a novel because it, the comic novel is there's not tons of them. Yeah. And there you are, they, and it, and so, but their comedy scripts work quite well, or there's something that could be a great sitcom idea or something, you know? So I think sometimes the comedy, I would tend to recommend my students try a script first. I think if it's a comic idea. Okay, so that's what was my question. You you think about these things ahead before you start the actual. Yeah, writing. but like I said, Lost Luggage was a script, mm -hmm. and then it was now it's a series, and so and I think it will be harder to readapt it in a way because mm -hmm. I have the first person narration. Did you decide to write a comic novel, or did that just is that just how her voice came out? That's just within well, you. Well, the, the script what I wanted to do to what I started with is I wanted to write the next Romancing the Stone. Okay. That's what the script was. And so I wanted, so I wanted it to be a rom-com adventure. And when it didn't sell, then that's what the idea was. And so I didn't set out to write a comic novel, but I was just trying to write this, I was trying to write an adventure novel, you know, and with that kind of banter and that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't so much a conscious choice at the novel stage as it had been you know, when I was first thinking about the script. Well, it's working. I mean, people are taking <laughs> notice. And it seems like you're having fun doing the novels. Yeah, no, they're a lot of fun. I mean, right now I'm having, I'm in a rough patch um, because I, 
the Tupperware party in Bali is not as funny as it needs to be, but I have, um, I do have fun writing the novels. I mean, any novel, you know, any kind of writing has its moments where you just sure. want to pull your hair out and, you know, just go to bed. And make um, sandwiches. That's when I want to make sandwiches. Or make, you know, make, eat too much pasta. Yeah, but well, I, yes. yeah, but I think that I, I certainly, it's a lot more fun to write this series than it was to write a period thing about, you know, women's issues in 1901. I mean, that has its own sure. joy of, you know, but this is more fun for sure. No question. What What is the best way to get started? Is there one thing they can do today, which is going to help them possibly get something sold, whether it's a novel or a screenplay or, or get the work out there? Well, I mean, the first thing you have to do is finish it. Good That's just answer. the first thing because you can't, nothing can go out till it's finished when you're new. Like yeah. you can't pitch an idea as a screenwriter. You have to have the script done. And the same thing for novels that you can't pitch a novel if you've never written a novel. You have to finish it to submit it to agents. So the first thing is finish it. But my motto always for scripts and novels and everything else is get to the end and start again. So I think the most important thing is to finish it no matter how messy it is. Because until you finish it, you can't fix it. So I would say, I know how many people are in the world, and I have this too, you know, who have a million half done things or half baked things in their drawer. Yeah. Um, but until you finish something, you can't. And for me, honestly, I would say as a novel, I the reason I finished my novel was because of NaNoWriMo. Uh. I did it in 2011, I think. And that was when I, because I couldn't question myself just to get the word count done every day. So that was helpful for me. But I think you have to finish something. And then, then, I mean, in screenwriting, there are tons of contests. And okay. if you place in them, you can get a little, it's, that's something you can put in a query letter to agents and stuff. So that's one way to go. It's a little trickier with novel writing, I think. But in that case, I would go to conferences. Because mm -hmm. that's how you can meet agents and managers. So I would say as a screenwriter, if you don't, if you can't afford to take screenwriting courses where you might meet other like-minded people, then I would say contest the Nichols Awards, the Page Awards, Blue Cat, Final Draft. There's tons of screenwriting competitions. The Austin Film Festival has one, Sundance. And if you're a novelist, I would, you know, if you know what your genre is, like Romance Writers of America is a great organization. Sisters in Crime is a great organization. Um, they're probably organizations for YA or sci-fi fantasy. I would try to meet some people and then see if you can go to a conference because that made a huge difference for me. Yeah, that's good advice. And finish it. I think it sounds silly, but people really overlook that step, right? They talk about it, but you got to sit down and do it. Yeah. And, and you have to, yeah, you have to actually get to the end because you don't know what it is until you get to the end. You know, you may think it's one thing and it's another. I had, I had a, a um, short film I wrote once that I thought was a comedy. And when my friends read it, she said, that's the saddest thing I've ever read. <laughs> I was like, great. But, you know, you can't until you finish it because you, you're the last person who really knows what you're doing, you know, initially. Right. And I'm, I, I know Lori said this too, but I'm a pantser in the sense that I, uh, you know, I, as a screenwriter, I know basic, and there's four or five structural points that I will consider before I start, but I basically write by the seat of my pants. And so I really need to rewrite. And you, you mentioned at the top of the show that you do a lot of consultation. How can people work with you if they have a script in mind or get in touch, follow your work? Wendell, where can we find you? Um, well, 
On my website, which is just www.wendellthomas.com, there is a contact email and I do do private consultations. Um, I have a flat rate for scripts and then I also do hourly work with people. Um, To be honest, I'm usually booked six to eight weeks ahead for the full script read. So if you want something, get in touch with me as early as possible. Um, But I do a lot of private work your stuff i mean your students uh, along with you but your students have had real success after working with you i give them all the credit for that for the hard work that they did to get there but yeah i've been very lucky i have a lot of students who work on tv shows right now i have a lot of students who've had their films made a lot of students who've you know placed in festivals and stuff so i um i'm really i have two students this year who have um were in festivals with shorts that are oscar qualifying. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's been, Fun. it's been a really good year for my students, but again, some of them, it takes 20 years for that to happen. Some of them, it happens sooner, but it's all about them because that's the thing. If somebody's willing to work hard, I have all the time in the world for them. Yeah. You have to be committed. And if you are finish it and then you have something to work with, then you yeah. can go and then you there. can t- Then you can talk about it to someone. So that's the thing. I, I think it's really finishing is an underrated <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. I agree. That's great. Also, if you are, if you don't have the confidence yet to finish a script or to finish a novel, write a short story and finish Mm. that, you know, finish 4,000 words, see how that feels, you know? Yeah. And I think that kind of progress, finishing something gives you a a little dopamine hit, you know, you feel motivated, you feel excited. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I would say if you don't have the confidence, right write a short story. That's the first thing I had published was a short story, Blind Submission for Sisters in Crime Anthology. Cool. And that gave me a lot of confidence yeah, to have it selected. Idea. So yeah, it does help you. I think. All right. Finish something, then track Wendell down, get her books. They're fun. <laughs> and I, I'm now you have another one coming out next year too of Sid. Yeah. So um, my next Sid Redondo is set in Bali. Uh-huh. Um, right now, the tentative title is Bali Why, but it's <laughs> set in the um, it's been really fun to write because it's set in the aftermath of Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, nice. And for my travel agent who specializes <laughs> in senior citizens, Bali is like a horror show because it's just they, <laughs> there's no goes. ADA ramps and there's no hospitals and there's no anti-venom and there's, you know what I mean? So it's it's been really fun to write that, actually. That's a great idea. That's fun. Well, I appreciate you being here and track down Wendell Thomas and and read her books and finish your own work. You can <laughs> find you, me Polly. at pollycampbell.com and check out our Substack at simplywrite.substack.com. Author James Scott Bell in How to Make a Living as a Writer writes, someone with less talent who works hard often outperforms the gifted. Writers this week, sit down and simply write. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. 
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.